New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, New Vision family and friends. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. I'm Bob Landum, and as missions pastor, I serve with our mission staff and amazing sacrifice-embracing volunteers in all our local, national, and international mission efforts. So thanks to all of you who've been a part of that, and a future welcome to those on the way to joining us off campus and on mission. Several years ago, we inherited a painting of a bird, kind of like a crane or a heron. It had been passed down from my grandmom to my mom and just always been hanging on somebody's wall somewhere. Come to find out, it might be an original Audubon, uh, and it might be pretty valuable. I got to tell you, there is a much higher regard for that bird now. Nothing changed about the painting. We just have a better understanding of its value and place in the art world. The passages that we're looking at today could be a reminder to some of us of the value and place of Christ in the cosmos. I mean, nothing's changed from eternity past as far as his identity is concerned. He has always been the Lord throughout all time. His place has always been unique. But this Advent season reminds us his incarnation creates the focal point of all of history. His advent divides time itself between the before and the after of his birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection. Today we're looking at two passages in scripture that highlight the identity and ultimate authority of Jesus. Because after all, it is his identity and authority that we're celebrating and that we worship at Christmas. I mean, it's not Santa Claus's birthday, right? The first passage is from the Revelation, chapter 5, verses um, 1 through 5. I'm reading from the New American Standard for both passages. The Revelation, chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals." Now, I am not one to dig deep into the possible meanings and multiple interpretations of just about any passage in Revelation, but one truth that is abundantly clear in this passage, Christ alone 
the lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who precedes King David from eternity past and descends from him in our common humanity, he alone meets the greatest need of all mankind. All mankind taken together in our common brokenness. And he alone meets the greatest need of every individual standing before holy God. Our relationship with the Father, shattered by our sin, is restored only by the Father himself through Christ on the cross. Every other effort or attempt at restoration that we come up with leaves us unworthy, unredeemed, and sealed outside of God's forgiveness. There's only one solution, Jesus, the Lord whose birth we anticipate and celebrate throughout Advent and in particular on Christmas Day. The one whose birth divides and defines time itself. He is the one worthy to fulfill God's ultimate will for our salvation and our restoration. The second passage, Philippians 2, 9-11, has a similar focus, a familiar sound. Beginning with verse 9, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Some translations begin verse 9 with therefore. This translation uses the phrase for this reason. In either case, the reference is to the humble obedience Christ showed as he suffered and died on a cross to pay that horrible price for our sin. It's for that humble obedience and for that willingness to pay such a horrible price that God exalted his name above every other name. And while only a small band of shepherds heard the angels proclaim his coming on the night Jesus was born, there will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is God and King. His birth, life, death, and even his resurrection may have gone unnoticed by the vast majority of the world as these happened. But when he returns... Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess his true identity. There's some deep water theology I need to at least touch on here. Jesus didn't earn his identity through obedience, but he did reveal it. He's not only the God of that percentage of humanity who follow him, who know and obey his word. These passages point to a time when every personal being, every creature with the capacity to do so, those standing with or in opposition to Jesus, will recognize him as Lord. It's interesting that the word Lord in Latin is kurios. It's the word that was used in the early church to translate the Old Testament symbol for Yahweh. When every tongue confesses Jesus is Lord, Every tongue will confess that Jesus is God incarnate. The Old Testament references Isaiah 45, 
23. The one who will be worshipped is God. In Philippians and in Revelation, the one to be worshipped is Jesus. Now, if that's not true, if we are not worshipping Jesus, then these new covenant scriptures are blasphemy. But the truth is, Jesus proved his identity in the resurrection. That's what the disciple Thomas was saying when he saw Jesus post-resurrection in John chapter 20. You know, I picture him almost gasping for breath when he said, My Lord and my God, we look forward to, we anticipate the celebration of Jesus' birth. That's part of the Advent season. But his birth is just part of the great celebration. I mean, the larger truth, the larger celebration is his ultimate return. That's when all that is so desperately broken will be made right. That's when our tears are wiped away and our sorrows are turned to joy, when our desperations in a fallen world find a permanent rest and restoration. This year, 2020, has been a good year to look forward to next year, hasn't it? I mean, surely by this time next year, this year's heartaches and disappointments and divisions and delays and losses will find at least the start of a path to something like some kind of restoration. And to those who have lost so much more than time or opportunities, in Christ alone there is a day coming of complete restoration. Advent reminds us of that as well. Advent calls us to hope. I don't know about you, but for a lot of my life, the word hope has been kind of a soft way to say, eh, it's probably not going to happen. I wish it would, but probably not. And so when we talked about Jesus being our hope, for a lot of years, I had to wrestle with that whisper in my head, probably not. But did you know the word for hope in the early church is the same word for wait. It's not, probably not. The best understanding of hope is simply not yet. Remember back in the days when people could actually fly somewhere and feel relatively safe? I mean, way back then, several months ago, we didn't go to the airport two hours early in hopes of a plane coming by that we could catch and go somewhere. We got to the airport early so we could wait on the plane that promised to be there and take us where we wanted to go. The Advent, Christmas, these passages remind us that the first part of waiting is over. That part of hope is fulfilled. And we are so much closer to the second part than we've ever been before. Just wait. Every knee will bow. Every knee in heaven, every knee on earth, every knee below will bow. And all those kneeling will confess that He is the Lord. Just wait. You'll see. And in this between time, this waiting time, worship Him. Serve Him. Obey Him. Celebrate Him. One day, every tongue will join you in celebration and confession. Jesus Christ 
is Lord. Hey, thanks for listening. Blessings to you this day. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.